Gang, what's going on? Welcome back to the Performance Plus Podcast. I am Coach Johnny B, and today I am joined by the one and only barbell physio, Dr. Zach Long, to talk about squat depth. I'm very excited about this because there is a controversial physical therapist here in Atlanta, Georgia, that is uh, basically just spends all his time on the internet telling everybody that they're wasting their time if they go below parallel. Uh, so I'm excited to hear what Zach has to say about this. Uh, Zach, before we talk, he's not a physical therapist. He's not he a PT. PhD. I thought he was, yes, uh, PhD, uh, which is even worse. I think that he has, you know, PhD is a degree basically saying that you understand the research process and critical thinking and that sort of stuff. And everything he preaches is the exact opposite of that. So uh, I'm glad he's not in my profession, but that's just as equally embarrassing for people that have a PhD. So, so just so we have some perspective, this dude also put up a video, I think, during the pandemic where you could basically shake your arms as quick as possible and get like a hypertrophic benefit out of it. Um, and it just looked like a reiteration of the shake weight. And it, it was, looked like he was doing the shake weight. Yeah. yeah. It's just then last week he posted one of him with a big exercise ball hitting an NFL lineman on the head. I guess that's... Um, progressive loading for concussions. Like yeah. if we give people enough micro concussions by hitting them on the head with the ball, maybe they won't get a real concussion when they're on the field, something like that. So, so to go, no, I haven't, but now I'm, my phone's burning a hole in my pocket to go see this. But so to come back to our topic at hand, this guy's hundred percent, right? We should not squat below parallel, correct? Wrong. Okay, cool. Just making sure. I mean, if, if you just think about it from what you do in life, so uh, we're talking about uh, um, squatting to just 90 degrees, which is what this guy preaches. In life, you constantly take your body beyond a 90 degree knee angle. When you walk down a flight of stairs, you're going to hit more than a 90 degree angle. When you sit up and down off the couch, off the toilet, off a chair, your knee goes past 90 degrees. So we want to make sure that we're maintaining and building strength through as much range of motion as we possibly can because there is specificity to loading. So if you don't train a full range of motion, you won't be strong in full range of motion. So there've been research studies that look at athletes that train a half squat only going to 90 degrees of knee flexion versus a full depth squat. And what they find is the group that trains full depth gets stronger at both partial range of motion and full range of motion. The group that only trains partial range of motion does get stronger than the full group in that partial range, but they don't get any stronger in the full range. And I would rather be strong in both partial and full range, which only happens again when you go full range. What about the risks of full range? Because you hear that from, I guess we'll call it the old guard of sports medicine, that squatting below parallel is bad for your knees. So we get stronger at better, more ranges when we squat full range motion, but is it at a risk? The only research that I know that would, would answer that at all looked at the... Um, United States Olympic weightlifting team, when they used to train out in Colorado, and they looked at the rates of knee injuries in those athletes. And you're talking about the athletes that squat below parallel more than any other athlete in any sport. And what they found was that they actually had lower rates of knee injuries compared to gymnasts and basketball players and people that don't typically take their knee joint through that range of motion. They looked at the uh, MRIs of those athletes' knees, and they found that they didn't, uh, they actually had uh, more cartilage thickness and heights, they had more cushioning inside of their knees than people that don't train through full range of motion. So I, I think the argument that it is more dangerous is not warranted. 
Now, certainly if you were somebody that when you squat down and you get to a certain angle, you get pain in your hip or pain in your knee, you might have to modify that temporarily. Or if you've never done a full depth squat, don't immediately change your entire program to where four days a week, you're doing full depth squats, like take small steps that direction as you take care of pain or progressively load that range of motion up a little bit more. But we don't need to be really concerned about it long term in terms of being more dangerous than a, a partial range of motion squat. So along the lines of scaling around the range of motion. So if somebody has a mobility or uh, strength balance, whatever it is, kind of limitation. How how long are we looking at until we progress back to full range of motion? And this is, uh, and is there a point where you just take that off the table? So kind of asking for people, um, how long is it okay to squat to a box because you get low back pain with with squatting before you need to go for it? And then what injuries would you say get rid of that option for you of squatting full depth. I mean, I certainly do have a number of athletes that I work with that, that will have blunt conversations. I'm, I don't think you're ever going to be somebody that squats full depth, like what you'll often hear called ass to the grass squats, because they simply don't have the hardware available to do that. So um, for instance, I got a friend that grew up as a toe walker and then had um, was also obese for a period of time. So he has horrible ankle range of motion. He can't squat to full depth because of how poor his ankle mobility is. He still squats to the maximal depth that he can, given that limitation. Or I had a patient that, I, um, that I'm working with right now who's got, when you move his hip around, you can tell that his hip socket is just super big. So it's not a, a thin, shallow hip socket. It's a really deep socket. And some people's hip morphology will prevent them from squatting super deep, but still same thing. I want you to squat through the best range of motion you can with solid form and without pain. When people do have pain, that's going to really vary and kind of be all over the place in terms of how quickly we can return to full depth squatting. But when I'm programming their squats, it's the same rule. I want you to squat through the maximal range of motion you can without aggravating your symptoms. Because when we when we do any motion, we don't just get strong in the range of motion we train in. You get a little carryover beyond that. So let's say you are dealing with like hip impingement right now, where as you squat down, your hip pinches and that pinch comes on at like a just below parallel. And you used to be able to squat all the way down. What I'm going to do is have you squat as close to that area where the pain kicks in, but not stir the pain up. Pause a split second and then go back up so that you're still getting some of that strength carryover into that range of motion that you can't access. And then as we calm down pain, improve your mobility, et cetera, then we continually add more range of motion to that to always be right on the edge of as much range of motion as we can do without making symptoms worse. Makes sense. From a muscular development standpoint, are we going to get the same benefits to the glutes, hamstrings, adductors, quads, uh, full depth thing as we will from doing partial? Yeah, there was a research study, I believe it was in 2019 by Kubo, K-U-B-O and colleagues that looked at this. So they had athletes squat through partial range of motion and full depth. And what they found was that, so they all did the same volume and the same relative intensity. The partial range of motion group and full range of motion group had the exact same amount of muscle hypertrophy in their quads. So the quads don't seem to mind what depth you squat to. Both groups saw no significant changes in hamstring muscle mass because 
It's been repeatedly shown in research that the hamstrings aren't that important in squat mechanics. Um, but the glutes and the adductors both saw significantly more hypertrophy in the group that trained through full range of motion. Um, another study by Bryanton and Vygotsky looked at the adductors involvement when we squat at different depths. And what they found was the deeper you squat, the more important the adductors become. So that makes sense with what we see from a hypertrophy research with that Kubo study that the adductors saw more hypertrophy in the group that squatted through full range of motion. I think the adductors are highly underrated in the squat. Sorry for the little tangent here. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of times the people believe that their hamstrings are sore after squatting. I believe it's their hamstrings that are sore, but they, we don't actually appreciate that the hamstrings and the adductors are like on top of mm -hmm. each other almost. We kind of think the adductors on the inside, the hamstrings on the backside, and that's not exactly the case. So when people think their hamstrings are sore after squatting, it's usually the adductors. And then finally, the glutes in that Kubo study, they did show that increased depth did see more glute hypertrophy. But there have been some other studies that look at wider squats compared to narrow squats, and they found wider squats had more glute hypertrophy. So I... I don't know that I necessarily always say that full depth squats are better for the glutes, but if everything else is equal, if the stance width is equal and you squat full depth versus partial depth, then glutes get worked more and more hypertrophy from full depth squats. So can that replace doing something like a hip thrust or a, the other exercises, step-ups that people love to build the peaches? If my goal with somebody that I was training was to maximize glute hypertrophy, I would want them squatting full depth, but I would probably bias them a little bit more towards hip thrust, especially if their goal is glute hypertrophy without as much leg hypertrophy. So take like a, um, like a female competing in like the bodybuilding space. Like they may not want their legs to be much bigger, but they want their glutes to be bigger. That's where the hip thrust becomes really important. Okay. So, but from a CrossFit and performance standpoint, the squat, the full range of motion squat is going to give you enough glute hypertrophy to make us good athletes. I believe so. I don't have a research study to say that, but if you go to the CrossFit games or you go look at those elite CrossFit athletes, you're going to see some big old backsides, some strong glutes, and they're not doing much hip thrust. They're doing a lot of squatting and lunges and that sort of stuff. Yeah. I love that. Uh, what other factors are there to consider with full range of motion squats? Cause it basically sounds like we're kind of idiots. If we don't full range of motion squat, like you're wasting your time by doing anything else, but squatting in full range or as much anatomical range as you have. No, I don't think you're wasting your time. You're still getting benefit. I just think that you would probably get a little bit more benefit in terms of some joint health and strength and hypertrophy. If you did prioritize squatting through a little bit more range of motion. Um, but I do find very frequently that a lot of individuals, if you don't have good ankle and good hip mobility, you're going to struggle to hit depth, but very frequently people are also not in the right stance width for their hip anatomy. And so if you aren't happy with your squat depth, try widening your feet, narrowing your feet, changing your toe in or out angle and little changes like that will very frequently improve your ability to squat to depth. Beautiful. Anybody that just shouldn't squat to full depth outside of the kind of conditions we've talked about, like hypermobile or any populations of people, pregnant women that just should stay away from it. If you have pain through full range of motion, don't. If you're somebody that has a hypermobility issue, then I actually probably am more likely to really encourage you to go full range of motion. 
Because those people with hypermobility issues, they tend to get in trouble at in ranges. That's when they dislocate or they get pain. And so I actually want them to train and build strength at that in range, even more so than our normal healthy people. Knee pathologies. I have a meniscus tear. Should I be squatting at full range of motion or should this getting too, too specific for this conversation? And you should just go see an awkward physical therapist to figure it out. I don't make almost any clinical decisions based solely on an image. So I wouldn't say if somebody said I have a meniscus tear, that's information that we have, but I care more about how your body responds to positions, activities, and loads. If you have a full meniscus tear, but you don't aggravate your symptoms by squatting through full range of motion, then we're squatting through full range of motion. If you have a meniscus tear and you get pain at certain ranges of motion, then we're going to go back to what we discussed earlier about train through as much range of motion as you can without aggravating those symptoms. Awesome. Uh, any resources that our listeners should check out um, for improving squat depth uh, or just kind of figuring out what is the right squat depth? If you go to performanceplusprogramming.com slash movements, you'll get access to our ultimate mobility checklist. So in that, you can click the squat section and it will take you through kind of some tests to figure out what your ideal stance width is as well as testing out your hip and ankle mobility. So, you know, if you need to address one of those, it'll refer you to our plans to address that. And it also does that for a number of different movements. So if your overhead press sucks, if your overhead squat stinks, if you don't have the range of motion in your shoulders, you need to have good keeping mechanics. We break all of that down at performanceplusprogramming.com slash movements. It's uh it's a really good resource, especially if you coach out there, you can, I mean, really screen out your athletes too, and kind of figure out who needs to be working on what it's, it's freaking cool. Zach all of that's, a lot of time. All of that's free too. Yeah. It's great. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, well, cool, man. Thanks for reminding us all that we don't need to use shake weights and that we should, uh, squat to full range of motion. Uh, it's been, uh, been awesome. Uh, anything else you want to add to the conversation? No, that's great. Cool. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We will see you next time. Have a great day.